And now, Agora Bible Fellowship, <laughs> would you welcome star of stage and screen, middle school pastor, here to teach the word of God, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Chris Carter. Stop it, stop it, stop it. That Josh and oh, the joys of working with your best friend. Time to find a new one. Uh, thank you, thank you, thank you. Y'all good? You look good? Yeah, surviving the heat? Some of you, yeah? Survive 4th of July, you're here in the AC, it's going to be a great morning. Uh, for those who do not know me, uh, my name is Chris Kerner. I'm the junior high youth uh, pastor here, uh, and I've been here for a little over five years, and I've had the privilege of having uh, many of your children come through junior high, and as I look at the high school students, uh, I recognize a lot of them, and I also serve as a spiritual life director at Hillcrest Christian School in Thousand Oaks, where I also teach uh, film and high school Bible, uh, and uh, i got to uh, show you my family. Uh, I've been married just over 10 years, and uh, tomorrow morning, we actually finally get to celebrate. Uh, we're going to go to Europe for 10 days. It's awesome. We're excited. No kids. No kids. And uh, my father-in-law is going to watch them. He's awesome. Uh, but uh, Caleb in the middle, uh, man, he's a handsome kid, right? He's nine. Cameron there. Uh, she's six. Just had it for six, and Kinsey is seven. Yes, see, they want to. They they think they're older than they are, so they try to trick me. Uh, and just for the record, we are Dodger fans. Okay, uh, so ignore the hats. Don't be like, I thought you were a Dodger fan. Uh, we are. Uh, we were at an Angels game, and they gave away free hats. Like, if you get a free hat, it's an LA team. We're gonna support it. Um, so, uh, anyways. Uh, well, it has been a great five years, and uh, so much that it's been awesome because I've had to not speak at main service. The run is over, and uh, to be fair, Pastor Scott has asked me over the few years, like, do you want to? And I'm like, no, like, uh-uh. Like, like, I love teaching our junior high. I love teaching high school. Uh, like, that's my thing. And, uh, you know, they think I'm, like, cool sometimes, and maybe. Uh, they think I'm wise. They think I'm smart. And they're just a little easier. And uh, you guys kind of scare me, because some of you have been, like, reading the Bible since before I was born. Now, I mean no disrespect by that, but that's just true. And uh, so, but I'm here. It's been fun. And just do me a favor. If, uh, if I say a joke that's, like, that would kill it in junior high, just, like, laugh and give me, like, the benefit of the doubt. If I say something that you're like, dude, I'm not a junior high. Why are you talking to me like that? Just be like, oh, nice try. Nice try, son. Okay? Okay. Uh, but uh, if you've been coming here for the last week or you've been here for a while, you know that we've been uh, kind of going through uh, our series in the book of Acts. Uh, feels like like 27 years we've been doing it. Uh, sorry, Pastor Scott, he's not here. I'm on stage. Uh, but we're taking a break for the month of July. We're going into our summer series called Mixtape, and I absolutely love the title of this. Mixtape kind of reminds me of back in the day, we'd have like your greatest hit CD or or for some of you, maybe a greatest cassette tape, and you have like your best of, like your, your best of rap or R&B or romance, whatever it is, you fill in the blank. And that's kind of what we're kind of doing here for the month of July. Uh, each week, we're going to have a different uh, pastor up here sharing their heart, their, their favorite verses, their favorite passages uh, that, that's meant a lot to their life. And, and I think it's a cool way to kind of get to know us a little better, but more importantly, a, a cool way to study God's Word. And I'm pretty excited about that. Uh, and I got to thinking, 
okay, well, what am I going to teach on? Like, and, and all these like stories from the Gospels came to my mind. You see, I, I absolutely love the Gospels. I, I love seeing real people with real situations, with real sin, with real conflict, with real stress levels, and how Jesus interacts with them, and, and how Jesus shows mercy and compassion and love. And I get that. Like, I, I love that because I, I, I relate to those people. And uh, I just, I love the stories of, of Peter walking on water, right? This moment with creation and, and this encounter with Jesus. Uh, Jesus healing the dude who's coming through the roof, right? Uh, just the, his parables. So, with that said, we're going to be in the Gospels today. I love the Gospels. Uh, this morning, I'm excited to share one of my all-time favorite stories. And it's the story of Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, he is going to be, uh, we'll find him in Luke 19, uh, verses 1 through 9. And, and here's the thing, what I love about Zacchaeus, what I love about him, is his ongoing pursuit and desperation for Jesus. His pursuit and desperation for Jesus. And through his desper- desperation, he overcomes challenges just to see Jesus. And the best part of it, if you know the story, Jesus comes right to him and meets him where he is at. And I know if you're like me, sometimes, man, we, we need that reminder. Uh, sometimes we get um, a little comfortable and, and we kind of stray away from the fact that Jesus wants to be involved in our lives and then we kind of think we can do this life on our own and we realize, man, we really can't. Jesus is much better at a leading than we are. Uh, and sometimes we lose that desperation that we once had, uh, that need for God in our lives every single moment of every day. So that's where we'll be heading. Uh, before we get started, before we dive in, let's, uh, let's pray together. Father God, thank you so much for this morning, Lord. Uh, we thank you for air conditioning, and we thank you for this church, and we just thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you uh, we get to come here, um, be in your presence. We thank you that we get to take communion and uh, be in your worship, Lord, and we thank you for the story of Zacchaeus. Lord, I pray that you open up our, our ears and our minds and our eyes, Lord, and that uh, we are reminded for our desperate need for you, Lord. Uh, it's in your name we pray. Amen. All right, so I got to thinking, all right, desperation, this idea of desperation. My question to you is, have you ever been desperate for something? Okay, all right, all right. Have you ever been desperate for anything, like anything so much that you're willing to do whatever it takes to get it, okay? No matter how you look, no matter how silly you might come across, no? Okay, first service was like a lot of them were desperate. Uh, apparently not you guys. You guys are good. You guys can go ahead and head out the door. Uh, but uh, I was thinking about this idea of desperation, and I was thinking, well, have I ever been desperate for something? And I'm like, no, not me. Yeah, I have been. And uh, I got to think about some couple, a uh, couple of funny times. Uh, I remember when I was 15 in 1997, uh, Jordan and the Pip- and Scottie Pippen and the Bulls, they, they had won another championship, and Scottie Pippen were wearing these shoes. Now, I know they don't look great. Uh, I would never wear them now, but at the time, 97, the summer, like these were the shoes. Some of you might remember them. And I was so desperate to have these. Like, I really was. As a 15-year-old, like, I had to have these. My friends had them. And I was like, Mom, I have to have these. Like, they're going to make me jump higher. Like, the commercials say it, right? Like, Pippin's wearing them. Then I will be like Pippin. And my mom's like, okay, how much are they? Like, 40, 50? And I'm like, like, 145 at the time. And she's like, no. Like, I don't, I don't know how we're going to pay rent. Single mom. And uh, I was like, okay, how do I get these? 
without breaking the law. So uh, I rode on the street. There was a uh, newspaper route opening. It's something they, I don't know if they still have, but uh, I, uh, I was like, I want it. And I would wake up at 5.30 a.m. before school, roll, roll up the newspapers, and I would be throwing them um, carelessly, like at the porch. And I remember I did that for a while. And uh, I remember one morning, I was like halfway through the route, and I, and I was calculating in my mind, like, how much more? And I'm like, oh, I've already made enough. I quit. And I quit. And like, <laughs> I know, it's bad. I was 15. Don't judge. Uh, a lot of people didn't get their paper. Like, they just did it. And my boss was mad. And I was like, whatever. I'm never going to work here again. Uh, I was so desperate that I found a way to do it, right? Uh, a, a cute story. That wasn't cute, but a cute story here. Uh, my middle child, Kinsey, uh, she wanted her ears pierced. She was seven. Oh, she's seven, and she was like, I really want them. And, and she's always into, been into accessories and all that, and it's great. And uh, we're like, okay, well, it's a lot of work. It, You've got to clean them out and, and, and all that. And she's like, I'll, I'll do it, like whatever it takes. I'm like, oh, whatever it takes, okay. Uh, how about you clean your room? Can't clean your ears. you got to clean your ears. you got to clean your room. So uh, she's like, okay, I'll do it. I'm desperate. And she made like this chart, and she had to clean her room for 30 days. And she had it spotless. Like, uh, it was clean. And, and she shares this, uh, a room with her sister. And her sister would, like, go in there and play. And she's like, get out. Uh-uh. Go into dad's office. Mess that up. Go to mommy's room. Like, whatever. Like, mommy's office. And that's what happened. Our office got destroyed. But her room was spotless. Perfect. Day 31, not so much. However, she's developed some good habits. Uh, but she was so desperate to get her ears pierced that she was willing to do whatever it took. And she did it. Uh, so she has her ears pierced. So if you see her today, be like, oh, those are awesome earrings. They're very good. Um, as we get older, though, we start getting desperate for, for other things, right? Uh, I remember my senior year in high school, uh, I almost didn't graduate high school. Uh, I was not a great student. Um, I just didn't care uh, about uh, schoolwork. Students care, okay? It, it, it's good to care. Uh, but I remember it was a couple of weeks before uh, graduation. We were kind of doing the rehearsal, and uh, was, we were practicing, and I got called into a meeting, and they're like, you might not graduate. And I was like, what? Why? And they're like, you have to pass like, your math class. And I was like, oh, okay. And I was like, well, I'll study and pass the final. And I, I didn't study. <laughs> and uh, I got my final. And I remember looking at each problem being like, I don't know what to do. And uh, I have to pass this class. So I got really desperate. I didn't cheat. Okay? So get that out of your mind. I didn't cheat. But what I did was I flipped the paper over. And on the back, there was a long, like, white like this space. And I began to write this beautiful letter uh, I took the pen, and I started writing, Dr. Zob, it was never about you. Your teaching was amazing. Your, I know, I know. Your grace, your mercy, your compassion, your smile. I was a charmer back then, and I just went into, like, you know, through my parents' divorce, and I know it's bad. I just started kind of, like, talking about stuff. I really just didn't care, but I wrote this long, long letter and I gave it to her. And uh, the, don't judge her. But I was able to graduate on time. <laughs> and uh, she, I was walking down the aisle, and I didn't want to make eye contact because I, like, I knew she knew that I knew, and I knew that's what she did. But I looked at her, and she just kind of looked like. 
like gave me this smile, like, you got me, get out of here. See, if we find value and it's of major importance, like we're willing to do almost anything to get that. Before I get to Zacchaeus, because I know some of you are like, okay, get to Zacchaeus, you need to know a little more about me. You're going to get to know me this morning. Why I connect with Zacchaeus, okay? Why I find his story um, compelling to me, and why I, I relate to him in a sense. Um, when I was 17, I did not know the Lord. I was far away from God. Um, I wasn't a Christian. I, wasn't, I didn't grow up in a Christian household. Uh, my parents divorced. It was a bad divorce when I was 10. I had a lot of anger, uh, a lot of depression, a lot of just on the edge, just temper. I started filling my life with, with sports and, like, friends. Not that that's bad, but just, like, not good stuff, like, also. And uh, I reached to a point where I realized that I was going down a path of destruction, that I, if I continued on, I don't know how that looks, and, and I don't like the sound of it. I, I know that it's not going to be well. And uh, I remember I, I left a, a party, students, parties are bad, don't ever go to them, uh, but I left, and I went home, and uh, I broke down crying on my bed, and uh, it, was, it was just a sense of, like, desperation. And uh, I remember praying, saying, God, I, I don't know if you're real, but man, if you are, can you show it? Can you show me? God, if you're real, can you help me? I don't even know if you hear this prayer, but man, I'm desperate for you. Like, I don't, I don't know what to do. And I fell asleep, and I woke up the next morning, and I went to my first class, and it was math class. Interesting. Uh, it was a different, different year. I was a junior this time. God, in math, I don't know what he's trying to tell me. Uh, but I walked into this classroom, and uh, uh, this girl that we knew, uh, Leah Wirtz, and uh, she was like a morning person. Like, hi, how are you doing? What are you doing for lunch? Da, 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 da. Any of you like that? I'm not a morning person. So uh, she came to me, and she was like, I don't know why, but man, I feel like I'm supposed to ask you to go to youth group. What do you say? And I was like, yeah, yeah. And I went to youth group that night. She drove me there. And uh, gave my life to Christ. And uh, this burning desire of wanting to know this God that who answered my prayer on one night. Uh, I was desperate to do anything to get to know him a little more. Uh, to, to become more intimate with him. And so much, I like went hardcore. Like I went to the nearest Christian bookstore. I bought like jars of clay. <laughs> and... Uh, Michael W. Smith's, like, greatest hits, like, things that Chad wouldn't even listen to. Uh, but I, I don't know. Like, I just needed that. I, I needed to do whatever I needed to do to get to know Jesus. And, and I went home, and I kid you not, like, I took my secular CDs, like, the ones that are explicit, and, like, I broke them with hammer. Like, I went hardcore, so much to the fact that I, I was like, I need to get out of school. I went to a big public school. I need to, if I really want this authentic relationship with Jesus, and, and I want to get to know him more, I need to get out of this environment. And uh, through a friend, I, I got to um, get an interview with a, a principal of a, of a Christian school in the town. And, uh, and it went really well. Uh, his, he's now my father-in-law, <laughs> which is crazy how God works, right? Um, and uh, I know, right? Uh, 
God's amazing like that. And uh, I remember going to my mom and saying, I, I have to go here. Like, I have to go here. And she's like, well, we can't afford it. And I was like, I'll do whatever it takes. I'm so desperate for this change. Uh, I, I started working at McDonald's. And I worked 10 hours every Saturday, 10 hours every Sunday. I did as much overtime as I could while being in school, while uh, being in sports. And I just worked my tail off. I just did whatever I needed to do to get uh, uh, to that school. And it, uh, it was amazing. My question to you this morning is, are you desperate for Jesus? Are you desperate enough to actually do something about it? So many times we think, man... Oh, I need to be, I want to do devotions more, or I want to pray more consistently, or or I want to go to church every week, not just every other week, or I want to have accountability in my life. Often we want that and we think that, but we don't actively pursue it. My question to you is, are you desperate enough to actually pursue it? That's what I love here about Zacchaeus, is we're going to see, we're going to see he pursues it. He pursues this Jesus. Now, let's be honest, when when you hear the name Zacchaeus, you think of what? The song, right? Uh, well, good news, we have a song for you. So for those who grew up in Sunday school, uh, sing along. Here we go. I got the words up for you. Here we go. Sing it. And a wee little man will speak. He climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to said, Zacchaeus, you you come come down. down. For I'm going to your house today. For I'm going to your house today. Very good. Very good. You guys want to do it again? I'm kidding. Man, that was awesome. First service, second service, awesome. Uh, Let's be honest, when we usually think about Zacchaeus, we kind of group him with Sunday school, with, with children's Bible lessons. But honestly, man, I think he sets a perfect example for us of how we should be, how we should have an ongoing pursuit of Jesus. So, one that we should follow. So, turn your Bibles if you're not already there. Luke chapter 19, verses one through nine. That's where we're going to be at. Luke 19, verse one. <clears throat> he entered Jericho and was passing through, and behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich, okay? So uh, we'll pause there. So he being Jesus, right? He was entering Jericho and was passing through Jesus at this time. He started getting a big following, right? People started hearing uh, his stories, uh, the stories of him doing miraculous things, and and he was passing here through Jericho, uh, and it was pretty cool. In January, uh, I got to go to Israel with with Josh and his wife, Lindsay. We went uh, with Hume. And we went to Israel for a couple of weeks, and we actually got to go to Jericho. Like, the place is still there. It's like a, a city. And uh, that's me in front of the Elisha Spring, if you remember in the, in the Bible, the Elisha Spring. And uh, I had to take a selfie because junior hires won't even look at a picture unless there's a, it's a selfie. So I'm sorry that my face is bigger than the actual thing. But it was so cool to go there because when you're in Israel... The Bible just kind of pops out at you. Like, it becomes 3D. And to actually be in Jericho and, and to see kind of the ruins and with the walls tumbling down, just kind of remembering the stories kind of, kind of made it really surreal. Uh, it was pretty cool there. Uh, so we see in verse 2, a uh, man named Zacchaeus. He was a cheap tax collector and was rich. So 
Now, when we hear about tax collectors in, in uh, the Gospels, if we're just honest, it doesn't really bother us. We, we, we're like, yeah, you know, because we either have worked in taxes or we, we know accountants that read taxes or, or we know people who have worked for the IRS. We don't really remember what it actually meant during this time. When you worked in taxes during this time, um, that meant you, wrote, uh, you worked for the Romans, okay? You worked for the Roman uh, Empire. Now, the Roman Empire during this time uh, was very powerful. We, we know that, right? Uh, they controlled uh, a massive area of land from England to uh, the Middle East. Now, we look at that and we're like, that's not that big. In today's world, no. We can, we can control that, okay? Uh, it, it's possible, but during Jesus' time, it's, it's near impossible. So how do you do that? How do you control a massive landmass going from England to the Middle East? How do you do that? You do it with a massive, massive army. At the peak of the Roman Empire, there were 450,000 soldiers uh, in the military. During crisis time, we have, we have about 275,000. Uh, but here's the thing. How do you feed that many people? How do you feed that many soldiers? How do you train them? How do you give, give them the, the uniforms, the, the, the weaponry? How do you do that? How do you pay for all that? You pay for all that with the taxes. But by abusing the tax system, by, by taxing on trade routes, land, animals, everything, everything. See, the way it would work is if you're a tax collector, you had to get X amount from each person, and you had to give that to the Romans. But here's the thing. There was no rule. You can, you can tax more, and then you can keep whatever else was left. You can keep whatever else was left. Not only did the Romans overtax people, they were a brutal army and people. They were brutal. There are historical records outside of the Bible that show, that document that the Romans would go into a village or a town, 20 to 30,000 people, and slaughter them. Kill, destroy, conquer. This is a little graphic, but the Romans, they would actually take men, women, and children, and they would put them on stakes, crucify them on the roads, so that way when passerbys walked through, that they got the note that the Romans were there. They were brutal. Do we have a better idea maybe of what it actually meant to be a tax collector during this time? Why his job title matters here? Maybe we understand a little more why when... Uh, Jesus is talking to tax collectors. They're often grouped with sinners. That when Jesus picks Matthew, the tax collector, to be a disciple, he's not looking at his past or his present. He's looking at his future and his heart. And guess who is working for the Romans? Guess who just got licensed and certified to start collecting taxes for the Romans? But your boy Zacchaeus, your neighbor, if you were Jewish and you worked for the Romans, you were considered a, tra a traitor. People knew at this time that Zacchaeus was wealthy because of who he worked for. By cheating out his own people, supporting a government that worshipped pagan gods with the brutal military that at any moment could come into your village, your family's village, and destroy it. Kill, destroy, and conquer. People knew who Zacchaeus was and they despised him. Verse 3, and he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not because 
He was small in stature. I love that the Bible just says he was short, right? He was short. Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus. Something sparked in him, okay? Uh, we don't really know uh, what it was uh, that made him so intrigued with Jesus that day. We, we really don't. But we do know that Zacchaeus started hearing the stories. He heard about Jesus who would touch skin and leprosy would disappear. He heard about this Jesus who could walk on water, about this Jesus who could raise the dead. He heard about him, and something sparked. He had to see this guy. He had to see Jesus. So many times, we often start to become desperate like Zacchaeus when we realize, man, I can't do this life on my own. He's better. He's better at guiding it, right? We, we need his grace and his mercy every single moment. Sometimes we start getting desperate for Jesus. Unfortunately, when tragedy hits, a death of a loved one, family illnesses, job loss, marriage is falling apart. Or sometimes we stop seeking Jesus to begin with because life gets a little comfortable, Right? We, we, we were desperate for Jesus, and then he's blessed us, right? Uh, but then uh, there's money in the accounts, right? The mortgage is paid, okay? The kids are great. Marriage is great. Job is fantastic. Promotions are coming in. Thank you, Jesus. I'll talk to you tomorrow. And then it disappears, and we realize, man, I need Jesus. I, I, I need to be with him. Not that it's ever a bad time to run to God, but can you imagine what if we were in always in a desperate pursuit for Jesus? What if we were always in a desperate pursuit for him? And we see that Zacchaeus here, he's in that place. We don't know exactly what it is, but man, he needs to see this Jesus, right? And I love that verse four, it says that he's a short man, right? We know that from the song. Any shorties up in here? Hmm? Any short people? Caleb, Caleb, the cheese like, yeah, me, right? So Zacchaeus is a little guy, all right? So that's going to have a little bit of an issue, all right? And, and if you're a, a shorter person, right, it can kind of have its challenges. Uh, my wife is like 5'4", and I'm about 6'3", and, and sometimes I'm like, hey, can you see that? And she's like, no, I can't. And uh, I'm like, sorry, <laughs> right? Uh, and uh, it, it can be an issue, Right? I love one of my, this is one of my favorite stories at, at Hume. Uh, Josh and I, we take uh, 50, 60 high school and junior hires at Hume like every, every year. And uh, about four or five years ago, we had uh, uh, in the meadow, uh, it, there's a pond uh, where the middle school is. And uh, we play this game called Assassin. Now, it sounds bad. It really isn't. Uh, and uh, the game Assassin goes this way, okay? Uh, each student gets a name. And you are to assassinate them. Now, don't worry, okay? We end up talking about Jesus later. But to assassinate, uh, you have to go to someone's uh, neck and do this. Don't judge. <laughs> Kids love it. And, uh, and there was this girl named Dasha. And uh, not that I, I, I don't have favorite students. I don't. But she is, like, definitely one of them. And uh, <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, but she, she's like, she's, she's tiny. She's like this tall. And uh, she, even at the time, she was like even this tall. And she got my name. 
she got my name. And I didn't know at the time, but she was like stressing out. She was stressed out. She said, I don't, how, how am I going to like do that? Right? Because she was, she's tiny. She's like at my belt buckle. And, uh, but she came up with this brilliant plan. She almost quit. She's like, almost like, I'm not doing the game anymore. Uh, she came up with this brilliant plan. I was in the water and I was coming out of the water. Like for those who've been to the pond, right? Like, you're here, you're coming out of the water, and I see Dasha. She's, like, here, face to face, and I'm, like, at her eye level. I'm, like, hi, Dasha, what are you doing? And she's, like, I got you, and she, like, did this. Like, she got me, and she's, like, sorry, and I was, like, don't be sorry. That's amazing. (laughs) Even though she had, like, a height difference, like, there's a height difference. Man, she didn't give up. She, like, found a way to to beat me, Uh, and it was amazing, and I love that story. Uh, kind of this desperation, if you will, of, of trying to figure out a way uh, to, to get me. This dude climbed a tree, okay? If you're a Jewish man during this time, you don't climb trees, okay? He climbed a sycamore tree. He could have left. He could have tried another day. I, I imagine him kind of going through, trying to like hop over people's shoulders, like trying to see Jesus. And he could have been like, ah, I can't tomorrow. I don't know. But no, he didn't. He sees a tree. He sees a tree. Now, I was intrigued by this idea of what a sycamore tree uh, was. I'm a visual guy, so I had to kind of get a picture of it. Uh, this is a sycamore tree. Uh, this is called the tree of Zacchaeus in Israel. It's in Jericho. We didn't get to see it because our Torah guide was like, no, it's not the tree of Zacchaeus. I was like, well, it's called the tree of Zacchaeus. It's like, it's not because they only live about 300 years. And I was like, huh. Something seems off by that. And I looked it up. Sure enough, they only live about three, 350 years. So there's about 1,700 years missing there. However, people still go. Uh, they get about 50, 60 feet uh, wide. They can go up to about 100 feet tall. But what I love is when I look at the tree, I can picture Zacchaeus, this wee little man. He's coming through the branches. He's probably hopping on. He's probably trying to get a better view of Jesus coming through. Now, that's going to make some noise. When you're walking through the park and you hear a squirrel go through the the tree, you hear it. This is a man, a half a man. He's a man going through a tree trying to find him. He didn't care how he was going to be viewed. And if we're honest with ourselves, sometimes we are cared about how we are viewed, especially when we are pursuing Jesus. Uh, There's another story. I'm a youth pastor. I love telling stories. Um, this whole idea of desperation just kind of like sparked a lot of stories in me. And, and what are we actually willing to do sometimes? What, we, we put ourselves out there uh, in order to achieve certain things or to get something or someone. Uh, that sounded bad, not someone. Anyways, anyway, so uh, Caleb and I, we uh, were gifted some awesome tickets uh, last year. And it was a Clippers and Spurs game. And it was like fifth row. And uh, we were excited. And I was like building this up in Caleb's mind. Usually when you build something up, it always falls apart. But I was like, okay, we're going to get there. We're going to get there like an hour early. And what we're going to do is when you can go down there if you sit there, and, and you can like get autographs, and you can meet them. And it's going to be awesome. We're going to do it. It took us three hours to go from Thousand Oaks to Staples. It was awful. And we finally get to our seat, and uh, the, it's jump ball. And, uh, but he is like so like down. And I'm thinking, what can I do? to kind of make this up. Like, this is a big makeup because I've just built it up. And after the game, I was like, hey, 
how about we go and we see where they leave the parking lot and they get onto the buses. And it's like, okay. And, and here's the thing. He brought, like, all of his cards. He brought, like, uh, the Spurs cards and, like, he brought uh, the Clippers cards. And so we go, kind of go. If you've been to Staples Center, you kind of know the area I'm talking about. There's, like, this long driveway. And we're here. And I'm not even kidding. Tony Parker, okay, well, we start seeing, like, tall people going to the Ritz-Carlton. I'm like, he, he doesn't play. I don't know who he is. And, uh, but we see Tony Parker about right here, first row. And he has a couple of friends, and he has, like, a bodyguard. And he comes this way. And I'm like, Caleb, that's Tony Parker. He's like, okay, let me get the card. And I become the biggest Tony Parker fan ever, ever. Like, I'm like, Tony Parker, I love you. I've lived in Texas. Like, I Spurs, man, that's like my team. And, man, you're so good. And I, I, I became desperate. And I'm like, Caleb, he, he has your card. Can you just sign it? And he's walking right here. I'm not even kidding. He's like right here, right where John is. And I'm like, can you, can you sign it? Please, 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 please. And he looks, and he's like, and he walks off. Now, this is not to, like, be mad at Tony Parker. He gets this every single day, okay? But he just told my son no. <laughs> Papa Bear came out. Something internally, an anger that I hadn't felt in a while, starting to burn. And as he was walking, he was heading to the Ritz-Carlton, and Caleb was like, I was like, how bad do you want it? And he was like, well, I want it. And I looked, and 20 Parker's about 40 yards away. And I'm like, how bad do you want the autograph? And he's like, oh, I really want it. I was like, can you keep up with me? And he's like, what? What are you talking about? I was like, can you run with me? And he was like, I don't know what's going on, Dad. And I look, and 20 Parker's about 65, 70 yards away. And he's about 30 yards uh, to the Ritz-Carlton. And I just like, let's go. And I grab Caleb, and I'm like, you better stay with me. And we run across the street. The street was closed, so I wasn't taking him into danger. And uh, I'm looking back, and Caleb's like, I don't know what's going on. And I'm like, come on. And we passed all these people. People think I'm a madman. They don't know what to call it police. This just happened last year. And uh, I know. And Tony Parker is going into the entrance. And I kid you not, I go, my son would like your autograph. And he was like, are you the guy that just was like there? And I was like, he, he liked your autograph. And people are like, I don't, like, do we arrest him? Do we, what do we do? Uh, Caleb got his autograph. Caleb got his autograph. And it's in his room. I try to find it, but his room's a mess. And, uh, but he has it. And the point of that silly story is that this was Zacchaeus' Tony Parker story. He was not going to let this moment pass. He was going to do whatever it took to see Jesus. So often we have a little bit of desire and we want to deepen our walk with Jesus. But man, when we are faced with difficulties or obstacles or difficult situations, man, we give up. Sometimes we give up. Sometimes we try another day. We put it off. Desperation was the key, um, not just with Tony Parker, but more importantly, Zacchaeus. Um, when I didn't know how I was going to pay for private school tuition, I could have given up. I could have said, hey, okay, well, I'm just going to graduate school, pass math, <laughs> and I'm going to go to a Christian college. But there was something in me that said, no, I have to do what it takes for me to get there. We see that Zacchaeus, he had obstacles. His height, his path, his, his job, his status, what people thought about him. But he didn't let any of that stop him. He knew that Jesus was coming and that he needed him. 
And here's the challenging thing. Here's the challenging question that we, we need to hear that we often ignore is what are our obstacles in life? What's our obstacles? We, we all have different ones. We all have them. What are the things that are keeping you away from being desperate with Jesus, being desperate for Jesus? Verses 5 through 6 here. I love this part. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. Can you imagine the look on Zacchaeus' face? Okay, he just wants a glimpse of Jesus. He just wants to, like, see him, like, feel like the wind come off his hair. Like, I don't know. Like, Jesus comes to him and says, Zacchaeus, come down. Can you imagine the look on Zacchaeus' face? His 100% effort, his desperation paid off. And I know it, I've seen it in my life. When we commit to pursuing God, when we, when we, uh, when we uh, commit to pursuing uh, our daily need for the Savior, how often does Jesus say, come down from that tree? I'm here, I'm here. The fact that we have a God that is more desperate to be with us than we are with him is backwards. It's dumb. It doesn't make any sense. And we see that Jesus here is just as eager to spend time as Zacchaeus. I love this verse. This is one of my favorite verses, uh, James 4, 5. Or do you suppose it is to no purpose that the scripture says he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us? He is jealous for our affection. He is jealous over our spirit. He wants to be with us every single second. You know, it's interesting. Jesus only had three years of ministry. His time on earth was short. He didn't waste his breath. He didn't waste his words, okay? Everything he said was important. But he devotes a whole chapter in the gospel of Luke, Luke 15. He dedicates the whole chapter in the teaching, in the parables about God's pursuit for us his never-ending desperation and pursuit for us, right? He teaches on the lost sheep, the lost coin, the, lost, or the prodigal son. Can we be real? Let's just be real this morning. We, we don't deserve that. We don't deserve his grace, his mercy, his compassion, his love, the fact that he wants to have a relationship with us. He did, we don't deserve to be called his son, his daughter, his prince, or, or, or prince and princess of the kingdom. We don't deserve any of that. We deserve death. We do. But here's the thing. If we remember that, we start to become more desperate for him. We start to become more desperate for him. I love that Pastor Scott just last weekend was just talking about how God pursues us relentlessly. He is always chasing after us, even to the point of sacrificing his own son so that we can be with him in eternity. We don't deserve it. And often, if you're like me, take it for granted. Don't even think about it. Verses 7 through 10, I love this. Uh, I titled this section, Inward Change Results in Outward Expression. Verse 7, and when they saw it, the people around them, when they saw this, they all grumbled. Turn to your neighbor and say, oh, Zacchaeus. Not bad. Really, Jesus, this guy, what about me? What about me? This guy, the tax collector, they grumbled. 
He has gone into be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, half my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house since he also is the son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. It's amazing what a 30-second encounter with Jesus will do. It will mess you up. Think of Saul. He goes from being the biggest persecutor of Christians of that time. A 30-second encounter of Jesus becomes the biggest evangelist of that time. He takes a guy like me, who's a mess, a 30-second prayer, and he hears it, and I'm here today. It's unbelievable. 30 seconds with Jesus would turn your life around. You see that Zacchaeus gets it. He, he spent years building wealth, cheating out people, living an empty life, but a small encounter with Jesus, he is a changed man. When we fully commit to pursuing God, we change too. The same change happens. Not that we start giving four times the money amount to people, okay? If you want to do that, that's fine. I'm a youth pastor. You can do that. But that's not what we're saying here. But when we change inwardly by God's grace and mercy, an outward expression happens. It does automatically. Just like Zacchaeus, when we are full of God's love, others will notice. Um, there's a student of mine. He's in high school now. And uh, I've had the privilege of, of being, uh, having him in my youth group for the last uh, few years. And, and uh, he gave his life to the Lord at uh, Hume Lake last year. And uh, I got to be a small part of that. And it was just a humbling experience. And uh, what was amazing, though, is seeing the change. He, goes, he was this kid who was angry, depressed, short views, had no hope, dealing with depression. And now he's joyful. He's calm. He's relaxed. He loves the Lord. Jesus is pretty powerful that way, right? 30 seconds with him will mess you up. As I close here, I just want to ask you, what does being desperate look like for you? What does it look like for you to be desperate? Maybe it's not your height like Zacchaeus, right? That is an obstacle, but, but maybe it's your sins. We all have them. Maybe it's the regret, regrets that you have in your past. And I just want to tell you, man, when you put your life in the hands of Jesus, he doesn't look at that. He doesn't look at that. Maybe it's time to let those go. Maybe it's not what strangers think, like Zacchaeus, right? But, but it's what your friends and family think. Maybe it's not getting a better view of something, but separation from someone or something. Maybe that's the obstacle in your life this morning. Maybe it's not putting the work into climbing a tree, but it's putting the work into asking for forgiveness, mending broken relationships, apologizing for mistakes, putting the work into fixing your never-ending uh, need and pursuit for, uh, to be desperate for Jesus. God wants you to be desperate. He really does. And uh, if you're honest with yourself, most of you want that. We all do. Uh, but sometimes if you end up like me, like you, if you're like me, I lack in the effort department sometimes. I think we, we all kind of get to that point. 
God wants us to seek him. In Isaiah 55, 6, another favorite verse of mine, it says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. God wants us to seek him. He wants to seek him. May we take a step today to be more like Zacchaeus, a man who was so desperate to meet Jesus that he would ignore all obstacles, even the ones that would make him vulnerable in order to get to know him. He had to put his face out there. He didn't care how he was viewed. I hope we all desire to be a desperate in need of a savior like, uh, savior like Jesus every single day. Uh, let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the story of Zacchaeus and just a reminder of how much we need you in our life every single second. That even during the times where life is comfortable, we think we have it all together, it disappears. And we were reminded that it was all yours to begin with. And I thank you for the story of Zacchaeus. It's just a reminder that we need to pursue you, but you also, you meet us where we are at. We don't deserve that. We thank you for your grace and for your mercy and your compassion, Lord. May we leave here with a reminder that you're there waiting for us and we're the ones that shut the door on you. Or may we leave here with this desperate desire to pursue you with all we have, even in the high times, not just the low times. We love you so much. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Hey, can we give it up for Chris Kerner one more time? Yeah. You're done, buddy. You did it. Uh, hey, so special weekend, as I said. Uh, if you want to hear more about the Reeds ministry, they're going to be hanging out in the well right now, right here after second service. Feel free to go over there. Got some snacks and stuff over there. You can hear a little bit more about their ministry, ask questions, get to know them. That would be really cool. We are also sending out two short-term missions teams this week. So our Yugo team going down to Mexico and building houses, most of the team has already left, and the risers are pulling up the caboose today, so they're about to head out. They're leaving straight from here and getting down to Mexico. Um, woo, yes. Uh, and then our last short-term missions trip, uh, we're sending a team to Russia uh, with Jim Lilgrigren. Um, if you are in either the Yugo or the Russia team, would you raise your hand really high? Um, yeah, so we're going we're gonna to just take a second and pray for them as they go out. Uh, would you remember to just pray for them here over the next week, two weeks? Um, specifically, Jim Liljegren has been uh, experiencing some health issues, and he's, get, he's trying to get ready to leave on Tuesday. Um, so, man, if we could just be praying for Jim that the Lord just keeps him uh, and uses both of those teams over the next couple of weeks. Would you bow with me for a word of prayer? Lord, we just thank you just for a chance to be in your house, God. God, thank you that you are desperate for us. Um, you are. Uh, and it doesn't make sense that you're more desperate for us than we are for you. It doesn't. Um, Lord, we just thank you for the reminder of that truth this morning. Father, I pray that you'd go with our missions teams. God, would you just pave the way? Uh, you have a plan. You have a purpose. You are preparing things already. God, we just pray that our teams would just walk in that. I pray that they would just be dependent on your spirit to lead them day by day and minute by minute. God, I pray for Jim. I pray that you just heal him up, God. Um, you're the healer. You are in control of everything. You're in control of our bodies, God. Uh, Lord, we just as a congregation right now, we just pray for Jim and just pray that you place your hand on Jim 
uh, and that he would be good to go for this trip, that nothing would stop what you want to do in Russia here over these next two weeks, God. Uh, we trust you. We love you. And uh, we give today and the next couple weeks to you, Lord. We love you and pray this in your son, Jesus. Amen. Have a great week.